in for the 181st episode i'm not really sure uh to be honest with you because we have a couple episodes in the can and we never figured out what we're doing with them and i don't know if they're numbered or this is numbered the point is we've done a lot of these damn things and exactly uh, let's say this is 181 let's let's say those marvel cinematic universes ones are up we don't know we don't know because there was trouble with the editing but uh but if they are up this is the 181st uh, and if this is the 181st, that means it was exactly 100 episodes ago that we did the Urban Legends and Comic Books on We Talk Comics. I am Mo, the Crown Prince of Charisma. With me, once again, Chief Defender of the Faith, Brett. He is uh, Mr. Brett Podcast. He is uh, also known as the King of the Casters. Uh, what, what else are you known as? Oh, let's see now. What else am I known as? Um... All around douchebag, uh, is that Prince uh, douche? Prince douchebag, I think there you is go. your, yeah, and and of course we have uh, Chris Bestie, uh, also with us, the man with no nickname. Chris, how are you? I am well. I also can't work at Mike, so no. Well, so if, if you're not on the episode much, it'll be one of the best shows we've ever done. So this is 100 episodes ago, I do believe, and if it's not, if it's if it's 98 episodes ago or whatever the hell. But 100 episodes ago, quite possibly, if, if our editing works out. I could probably do that today, Brett, in case you're wondering. Now that do I have a computer that works. That's right. Do you, do you think that anybody will call us on this? Not a... Me, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, 100 episodes ago, we talked about comic book urban legends. We are back to talk some more about comic book urban legends. This was actually a really fun topic, something we said we'd do again. And eventually we got around to it, but I can't believe it's taken us this long. So this one, episode 181, We Talk Comics... Son of Urban Legends. Excellent title from Chris. Dum, dum, dum. Dum, dum, dum. So basically how this is going to work is I'm going to read out a, uh, a urban legend. You two will discuss if you've heard it and whether or not you think it's true. So this is, uh, is going to be a lot of fun. And I'm going to open it up, guys. Unless you guys can think of any that you know that you want to throw out there, feel free as well. But this is I think this is going to be a great episode. I think this is going to be a lot of fun because I, I have an excellent, excellent urban legend to start. Do you remember the DC versus Marvel Comics crossover that happened in the late 90s? Who doesn't? DC oh, versus... It, it lives in legend all by itself. Everyone's still talking about that sucker. Oh, yeah. Who, who couldn't? Who couldn't talk about this? This is, this is what... It was terrible, but they're still talking about it. I don't know if it was... Was it terrible? It led to the... Uh, what was that called? Amalgam universe and uh all the characters uh fought each other you had uh you know aquaman versus namor in a battle yeah, yeah. nobody it, wanted it, to it see a wolverine mixed with batman it wasn't good no uh well that was the amalgam uh, i'm talking about the in the in the comic book it was wolverine versus lobo batman yeah. took on and that was, America. that was one of the worst fights i've ever seen was especially wolverine? since wolverine won i'm still kind of pissed over that actually 
<laughs> well, if you'll remember... Wait, wait, wait a second. Wait, wait. Chris, 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 hold on. You just said that's one of the worst fights you've ever seen. Do you remember that scene? It was one punch. No, it wasn't. That's, well, okay. The two of them were sitting. The two of them were. The two of them were sitting at a bar and drinking, basically. And they end up crawling in behind the bar, continuing to drink and fight. And you never actually see the end of it. Just like Lobo, or just like uh, sorry, uh, Wolverine emerges. But it, it was. It was really more of them drink. It was. It was just making. It was more Lobo than Wolverine personality wise. It was just them drinking. And then, then, then they're in a bar fight, and then you don't really see it. They're just like. Who can drink each other under the table, and we'll probably fight too. Oh yeah, no, I just remember it was sort of a cop out because there was uh, it was the most uneven matchup they had, and since they were taking votes on who win would win, dude. Number one, it was not the most uneven one. We have gotten way the freak off topic <laughs> here, but it is not the most uh, uneven matchup they had. Uh, I would say that I mean, and and it's not even the worst of the ones that lost. Uh, Wonder Woman against Storm should have been the most uneven matchup they had, and Storm won. Storm won. Storm won. <laughs> I, I would like to know how they decided on... It was fan voting. Oh, right, right, right. That's And at the time, of course, at the, now if Storm took on uh, Wonder Woman, I would fully expect on fan voting Wonder Woman to win. Because Storm's kind of... But at the time, you have to remember the X-Men was so much bigger than Wonder Woman. But now I think that... Uh, I, I don't think it would go that direction. But yeah, it was... Yeah. But that's not even the worst. Come on. They had they had Quicksilver versus Flash. Quicksilver's never been like in Flash's league. And, and at least Flash won. Yeah. Anyway, do you remember how uh, Batman beat Captain America? Like no, for, I just remember the Howard Chaykin series that followed. They fought. They fought for like forever, and uh, and it was dead even. And basically, like uh, if I remember correctly, now I can't. And now I backed myself into a corner. Do you remember? No, I don't remember. I'm talking <laughs> about it. But I think that they fight forever, and nobody can beat each other. And then, like, like basically, I think there's like some chance to like save somebody or something like that. And they both go to do it, and Captain America knocks himself out or something. Like. <laughs> Like the, anyways, so based on this, here's the here's the urban legend. Are they? What's that? Interco uh, there's never really been a really successful intercompany crossover, has there? Sure, there has. There's been plenty. Okay, um, I, uh, just uh, just uh, just remembering this one back in the day when they did it all the time. I just I'm just remembering some really horrendous stuff. Oh, there's no question they're surrounded stuff. I mean, they're still oh. doing it all the time. I yeah. mean, DC is crossing over into, like, IDW, like, all the time, it seems. Yeah, and, and Archie versus Predator. You can't tell me that wasn't great. That was great. Oh, no, that was great. That, Come on. That, that there's been lots of these. Even if you're looking at Marvel and DC, there has been some really good ones. The first Superman, Spider-Man that launched it, I mean, the whole thing, that was that was pretty cool. That was well done, you know? Yeah. Uh, I'm still traumatized from Death Watch, though. But well, the Amalgam was a disaster, Chris. <laughs> there's there's plenty of disaster. There's okay. <laughs> that's a whole other universe, though. That's a whole other thing. That's a whole other like that's not in the same level 
like as 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 crossovers. That's an that's a whole other thing. That's no better or no worse than they're terrible. They're no better or no worse than Stanley reimagines all the DC characters and all the nightmares that those were. Like this is that's that's nothing, right? Like like don't get me wrong. What got me was Amalgam that that they created a character called Amalgam that was useless. And the second thing um, is that after they did it, that they did a volume two of like a second round of Amalgams, even though those were terrible, but they sold well. So they did did it again, even though they were terrible. They were again terrible. Anyway, so what the hell was our topic? I, I believe it was uh, the worst crossover. We got halfway oh, no, through one urban legend. <laughs> no, I don't know. I announced even... reading it. I'm not even sure we got through halfway through reading. I don't even think we got halfway through. So here, uh, and then once again on, on a We Talk Comics focused, focused <laughs> folks, as always. We are, we are absolutely as focused as humanly possible. Here we go. This is the urban legend. So the urban legend. Uh... <laughs> What's an urban legend? Oh, my God. <laughs> Okay, the original ending of the Marvel vs. DC uh, crossover involving the two companies swapping Daredevil and Catwoman. Uh, this was changed due to eternal pressure. So that was one of the that was the that that was supposed to be what happened. What came out of it was Daredevil and Catwoman were supposed to swap, basically, or trading one property for another, ending up in different universes. I mean, I would say that as a as a general rule, like for me. I would think it makes sense that they would hope to to pull a swap of the characters. You know, much like much like the image guys taking over the Marvel characters for, you know, however many months, and it would eventually go back to to the way it normally is. My biggest question about it, I guess, is the the swap, like Daredevil, who did you say Daredevil and for Catwoman? And Catwoman, like to me that makes no sense. Because it's like again, it was in the late nineties, late nineties, Catwoman was arguably the more popular character. Yeah. Oh. Now, and, it, now it would be a horrible trade. Well, no, and I agree with that. It, it just seems really odd that you would trade like characters that are that are like an apple character and an orange character. I mean, where whereas you would trade Catwoman in to a to a universe that has Black Cat in it already. So that that part. Seems odd to me. I can I can get behind the other like the the actual swap, but I'm not. But the characters themselves seem weird to me. Chris? No, no th- 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 this is a total falsehood. Yeah, I, I think you're just picking these two characters because uh, they're urban, and you thought it worked with the title. Um, no, th- there's no way. If if the Alien versus Predator movie didn't didn't happen for so many years. They'd be they'd be just fighting over like which character was n- more valuable. Um, it, it it just does it doesn't make sense. I don't think it was ever even mentioned. Okay, here it is. It's false. Okay, it's false. But here's what Mark Carlin said on it. Um, because he was the editor from DC side and Grunwald edited Marvel's half of the project. So here's what Mike Carlin said on it. Swapping a character with each was discussed early on in the proceedings. But before we even horned in on which specific characters to do this with, we decided that the legal department headaches, not just for the issues the characters appeared in, but for any reprints for all time would not be worth it. 
So it was discussed, and but it was never going to be Daredevil and, and Catwoman. It, and that's what makes sense to me. It's like, what if now DC owns uh, Daredevil and you're reprinting a trade paperback that had Daredevil and Spider-Man in it from, you know, 30 years ago? Like, that's that's where it becomes a nightmare, I think. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I can't imagine. <laughs> it would be kind of cool to get... You know, each each universe has characters that don't quite work with their own universe. Like, Blue Beetle would be awesome in the Marvel Universe. But he's always kind of out of sync with the DC Universe. So it would be cool to get him over there. Uh, <laughs> on the Marvel side, I don't know who you'd, 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 you'd want to move, but... You know what they need to do? They need to to put all the characters in a pile and then do a draft. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, now that'd be something else. <laughs> uh-huh. That would be something else. All right. Well, what's our next urban legend? Yeah, let's let's see if this one is. Uh, here's. Here's one. Uh, uh, here's a good one. Matt Fraction once took a restraining. Now, you know, remember Matt Fraction? Ed Brubaker was was doing uh, the Iron Fist, Immortal Iron Fist, and Fraction comes on, and they or they were doing it together, I think. And when yeah, Brubaker left, Fraction Fraction was the sole uh, sole writer on it after Brubaker left. But but I believe they were working on it together. And it's, Matt Fraction once took out a restraining order against Ed Brubaker. Ooh, I'm kind of hoping that's true. <laughs> is that so? That's it. Just that. Just that. Uh, that he took out a restraining order. Hmm. I'm. I'm gonna say false. It sounds like the kind of thing that uh, that would make that would come out come up to make a good story, but not actually be true. They both live in the same city, though, so it's possible. Well, you can't say possible. You say true or false. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying it's true. You're saying it's true. Chris, you're right. Relative newcomer and internet loudmouth Matt Fraction once took a restraining order out against seasoned industry vet Brubaker after the latter mugged the former and took his wallet. <laughs> <laughs> I can read some more. The two writers were oh, oddly... Oh my God. I, 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 I now... Oh, if I didn't love Brubaker before, I love him more now. <laughs> the two writers were, oddly enough, both students at Crawford High School in San Diego at the same time. Brubaker was a senior while Fraction was a, a freshman. Brubaker was in his low-life phase, and Fraction was very much a fat and by his own admission annoying nerd. Brubaker, who routinely terrorized the underclassmen at Crawford, one day punched Fraction so hard he broke his jaw. Ah. Uh, wow. Fraction asked about the story, had this to say, look, having your jaw broken isn't funny. Uh, cops were called and arrests were made. Charges were dropped after Brubaker's parents covered the medical expenses. Uh, Fraction refused to return to school until Brubaker was legally compelled to, to stay away from little old <laughs> Matt Fraction. Uh, wow. And this was where Brubaker's interest in law order apparently started. Uh uh, oh, I, I wonder how this came up in up then Pardon me? Well, years later, like, how did the team-up actually happen? Well, they, for- they patched things up apparently in San Diego in 2005. 
Oh, that is so great. Before that, aren't this much something Fraction had written a comic book? Uh, I'm sure he had, but I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know. That is crazy. Like, I mean, just the, the idea of... That's got to be one of the great stories. Of Ed Brubaker bullying Matt Fraction. <laughs> That's, I mean, I mean, breaking a job, getting your job broken isn't funny, but the story is later. Oh, the story now is tremendous. All right, here's here's one I think is uh, I think here's one that I think is 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 very interesting. At least I think so, and, and I'm curious as to what you guys will think about this. The comic book urban legend is um, the recent Norman Osborn the, or the Norman Osborn Gwen Stacy relationship that was revealed was never intended to occur. Mm. Um. Wow. I mean, I mean, it 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 certainly shouldn't have occurred. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I think right. most people would say it shouldn't have, but yes. was it ever intended to? I'm gonna I'm gonna go with true. I think it was never intended to occur, and I and I think he went off the reservation. You think it was? I'll go with true too, because I I, I barely remember that relationship, so. Okay, well, it is true that it was never intended to be him. It was intended to be Peter Parker himself was the father of Gwen, Child- uh, Gwen Stacy's children. But editorial nixed the idea. So now he had these characters, and he had to introduce somebody. And so he introduced that it was Norman Osborn. Both are terrible ideas. Yes, yes. I'm not sure, actually, which is the worst idea. I yeah I well I actually think that um, more I'm gonna say more long term harm was actually done by it being Norman Osborn than I think than I think it would have been by being Peter Parker. You know what I think I, I, I think you're kind of screwed there, Brett. Because I mean, another Spider Baby is never the solution. No, but I think you know the thing is that they still would have gotten rid of them, but. The problem is, is that there was an under. I think, I think overall, there could be an understanding that Gwen and Peter yeah. would have done that. I, I, I think that the damage to Gwen's kind of character is greater. Oh, absolutely! Because suddenly, because this is a character who was like essentially pristine. She was that character that drove Peter Parker, you know, in so many ways, and. Now you've basically taken her this you know this perfect perfect vision and you've tarnished her by making her have a have a relationship with Norman Osborn no less and and have kids you know and just have it suddenly magically pop up it was it was a horrible storyline but I think that the damage to Gwen Stacy was was terrible yeah I agree I, um, if it was Peter it wouldn't have been the same damage I mean at least they were young and in love right yeah, I mean, she could have, you know, from that, like, oh, she hid the kids. I mean, it it would have been hard to to imagine the hiding you know, the kids on no money, unlike with Norman Osborn, where at least there's a hey, bunch of money and, and hiding and, and and nobody noticing you're pregnant for nine months while you're still in school. But but still, like the whole thing is is uh, oh, Straczynski. Oh, it, the whole thing was terrible to begin. Straczynski with. Like, should it, never touch Spider any like 
it's no man remember remember how we all had high hopes oh man (laughs) we were so excited i mean the thought of joe straczynski writing writing comics in the first place and then like well rising stars was great and then he it's like that never finished but you're like okay based on that him on spider-man is gonna be great and then all this nightmare that's we still deal with today Because you, right. you 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 do envision with Joe Straczynski this idea that there's going to be some ultimate five year plan that's going to to culminate in some sort of awesome storyline, and instead there was some really terrible lack of planning that resulted in a whole bunch of really awful storylines that did nothing but damage the character. <sighs> Quality. I watched a real Ghostbusters episode today that was awesome that was written by him. Written by, by Straczynski? Yeah. Man, a real Ghostbusters in the mid-80s, he was writing that? Yeah. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Wow. But I would be more than happy to watch that. Um, when Halloween was fun. That explains why that series was so freaking awesome. Yeah. All right, uh, let's... Uh, there's a lot of credits on on uh, 80s cartoons, actually. Nice. All right, let's move on here. Let's get get another one in. And uh, this is an interesting one. You guys remember artist Dave Cockrum. Um, you guys remember him? Yep. Uh, mainly worked for Marvel. Uh, passed away in 2006. Uh, but really uh, had a long run on, on X-Men. And he created uh, Nightcrawler, Storm, and Colossus. Uh, three iconic characters, no question. Um, he also created a character called Manphibian. Manphibian. Uh, Manphibian, I repeat. It was called Manphibian. So not all of them were winners. So in other words, the single greatest name for a character ever. Or the worst, Manphibian. <laughs> so he created a character called Manphibian and then sold it to both DC and Marvel at the same time, true or false. I'm going to say true. That sounds like something that uh, that, that could happen in, in a way where you, where you're going and and like pitching this character and then you you wind up you wind up selling one and then the deal kind of comes through at the same time. I'm going to disagree with you there. I'm going to say false just because I know that Nightcrawler was invented was I think he was pitched he was pitched pitched as a member of some DC team, but then was reused when uh, Cochran did the X Men. So, uh, so yeah, I don't think the timelines are working out there. Okay, that's actually interesting. I didn't know that about Nightcrawler, but I do know this about uh, about Manphibian. It's true. Uh- <laughs> and and let me tell you this. I, I would like to add Manphibian to my name of uh, <laughs> my name of t- my list of oh, titles. Make <laughs> no doubt about it. I'm looking here at the cover from the Legion of Monsters, the first appearance of Manphibian, and it's an incredible cover, and it's definitely this show's picture. Like you guys got to see this; it's awesome. Um, <laughs> it, I love it. Like, yeah. <laughs> but here's here's what he he said. He said I tried selling Manphibian at both companies, and I sold it to Marvel. Finally. Marv Wolfman and I were working on a Manphibian strip, so I was really kind of horrified to get my next Legion plot and discover that Manphibian was in that, too. <laughs> I, sc- I scrambled over to DC and got Carrie Bates on the phone and told him, listen, you can't use that. I just sold it to Marvel. So we changed the name and changed the visual, and Devilfish 
made out better. I mean, he got a sequel, which Manphibian never did. I'll tell you, I found a page. I found a page the where where somebody's talking to Manphibian, and 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 he's crying, and I don't know what page of comic it's from, but I, Manphibian is the greatest character ever. <laughs> Like a complete fish looking. Well, he's like, he's like, with he's purple like, eyes. Like, yeah, oh, it's, man. it's got a creature from a black lagoon look, but like lamer. And, and actually, these are images are awesome. I want to know. And Amphibian is the coolest looking character ever. I want to know what comic book this is from that I have found. Man, oh, yeah, like, like he's like huge. Actually, he, you know who he looks like? He looks like, uh, uh, Chode from the Star Jammers to a certain degree. Kinda, yeah. Actually, come to think of it, Devilfish, believe it or not, kind of cool looking too. Well, but yeah, I love it. Um, oh, tremendous. Wow. So oh, the names. Devilfish <laughs> is definitely better than. <laughs> okay. uh, I think Brett will vote Manphibian every time. I, I love uh, this. Law enforcement in Monster Metropolis. Wanderer. Vengeance seeker. <laughs> awesome. Now, there's another one you can add. You oh, can now add here's, vengeance seeker. Oh, now, the original Devilfish, though, was so lame looking. Like. <laughs> All right. Time to look up Devilfish. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it would be hard to beat Mamphibian, I'll tell you that right now. No, as well, hard and impossible are the same thing, aren't they? <laughs> Oh, that's excellent. That's excellent. Let's do one or two more here while Brett's looking that up. Uh, I will look up another... another... Amphibian actually has a Wikipedia page. Everything has a Wikipedia page. I'm surprised you don't. Now, honestly, so Devilfish actually looks like a ripoff of Manphibian. But I, lo but I love the page that I found because it says, look at it. It's it's half man and half fish. I think it's bracing to attack us. <laughs> ah, love. <the laughs> this is great. Oh, man, we got some good ones here. Okay. <laughs> man, Fibian. Oh. oh now, the question is, who should we harass to get Man Fibian back in print over at Marvel? Well, uh, you know, after this episode goes up, probably happens within a week. <laughs> okay, I, we got we got some more here, some good ones. Um, Bruce Banner got a new first name due to Stan Lee's forgetfulness. Um, yeah, I, I believe Stan Lee forgot a lot of crap that affected the universe. Pardon me, Chris. Um, Stan Lee's forgotten a lot of stuff. Uh, that actually has changed the Marvel Universe over the years. So I'm going with True on that one. I mean, Iron Man's nose, there are no green covers just because he forgot he, he didn't like green. It just bizarre stuff that Stan Lee did. So, yeah, I, I, I'm thinking that he just forgot the name, so it changed. Yeah, I believe that is uh, true because I thought that, yeah, I, I feel like I knew this one to be coming in. But, uh, but yes, I'm going to with True. You're going with True. Okay. Uh, it is true. Uh, in fact, not only, I mean, of course, he was known as David Banner and Bruce Banner, but yeah. even for a couple months in the comic book, apparently, early on, uh, he was Bob Banner. 
because for a couple months, Stanley forgot before somebody pointed it out to him. Uh, this was 50 years ago. Stanley is still alive. But then I think he was probably in his early 80s. And now... Now that now that he's in his well, in and his... it is 130 years old. <laughs> uh, yeah, so even back then he was forgetful. So uh, somehow Bob Banner just doesn't work for me. I'm glad of all of the names that we well, ended up with. Bob Banner sounds more like a, more like a game show host. <laughs> yeah. Now, absolutely. actually, are you guys pro Bruce or David? If you were forced to choose. I'd Bruce. choose Bruce. Yeah. Bruce. Okay. We're, we're, uh, but we're comic book guys rather than the television series. Well, I mean, I probably know him first from the television series, but I mean, Bruce is what he was first. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's no Manphibian, but. Uh... No. no, no. And I, I, now that I've looked up the picture of Manphibian. I've read a comic book with him this week. So, yeah. God, he was in the book. I didn't realize his name was Amphibian. How do you read a comic book without that name standing out? It was, it was Howling Commandos, man. There are a lot of weird names in that book. <laughs> and, and I can understand that, you know, in that regard. That's tremendous. All right, let's, uh, let's go with one here. Speaking of another great name character, you guys recall Speedball? When I say speedball to you, Brett, what do you think of? What do you think? What What are you, your first thoughts and memories and of the character? And well, the first thing that I think of is, of course, the uh, the new warrior speedball and the and the, you know, multicolored thing. And then the next thing that I think of is uh, the beginning of Civil War uh, with Speedball and him becoming. Uh, uh, well, a vengeance seeker, I guess. <laughs> I forget what the name of the character was. That was. Um... Oh yes, yes. Um, equally, uh, really, an odd turn in his story arc. Yes, yes, yes. So that—that's what I think of when I think of Speedball, though. Chris, thoughts on Speedball? I miss Streaky. <laughs> his cat, his superpowered cat. Never really did. To amount to much, but I, I love that cat. <laughs> well, guys, what if I said to you, do you think this would be true or false? That Speedball was actually invented, not for the Marvel Universe, but for Marvel's new universe. I, false. Mm. False. I thought, I, I thought it was uh, a Ditko's big return to Marvel um, proper. So I'd say no, not not for the new universe, because and I mean the tone for the new universe was just well. What way explain off. explain for a really quick the Marvel's new universe, Chris? If you were to explain it to a noob, how would you do it? Oh, I, I guess I'd go. It was supposed to be a more realistic take on superheroes. It was sort of supposed to happen in our universe with more real realism rather than fantasy. As stupid as that sounds in comic books, like no, oh, no, and that was in the mid '80s, and then of course it had a, a rerun so, here in the speedball. While well, he had a superpowered cat in issue one, so I'm thinking there's no way that was pitched to the uh, for the new universe. Well, now because he, he wasn't he introduced in uh, he was introduced in Spider Man. Wasn't he? Uh, and I don't know if he was introduced in Spider-Man or not. I do know that he wasn't just people. Let's face, let's 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 spell it all out there. 
Speedball, the masked Marvel. <laughs> that's yes, yes. That's fantastic, of course. But I mean, as a as a Ditko character, I mean, I can I can see that. I'm I'm gonna go with. Well, I mean, Ditko and Tom DeFalco. That's 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 a pairing right there. I'm gonna go with true. Brett, you got this one. Uh, Jim Suter, Shooter said, uh, describing his work in the new universe, about 18 months before Marvel's 25th anniversary, is called to an executive staff meeting to discuss the anniversary. It decided we should have a publishing event to celebrate. I suggested several things, including introducing a second new universe among them. Uh, everyone liked the idea. I was given a development budget of $120,000. Later, Tom DeFalco asked me if he could be in charge of the project. I agreed. Months passed. Tom made little progress. The only idea I can remember that he developed in the time was Speedball. The less said of which, the better. Time got short, so I took over. I came up with the concept of a science fiction superhero universe as opposed to the original science fiction or science fantasy superhero Marvel universe. By this time, Marvel Comics was being shot for sale. Suddenly, the owners, essentially the board of directors, uh, were, no one, uh, <laughs> were, as one might expect, loath to make any investment in the future. Nothing useless that took dollars off the bottom line, such as developing characters that may pay off in the future when presumably new owners would be in place, was tolerated. My budget was cut from 120000 to 80000 to 40000 to stop all the spending in the space of a, t- of a week. We had spent only about 12000 at the point. Much of it was on speedball. <laughs> now, this was a second new universe, so it wasn't actually to do with well, the universe. No, it was the new universe. It's just that this was the new universe under DeFalco as he had seen it. This was one of the characters. And, and Shooter's like, man, he's not getting anywhere with this. I got to get this going. So uh, a few later, years later, Marvel decided it wanted to recoup its investment in Speedball and it didn't hurt that uh, Marvel's editor-in-chief was now Tom DeFalco, and the Speedball ongoing series made its debut then, which is also, by the way, one fantastic freaking cover. Uh, uh, yeah, it's the interiors that really let you down. <laughs> and, and here's a, another note. It doesn't say the shooter, or apparently doesn't say the shooter says that DeFalco created Speedball, so it's unclear whether Ditko was the sole creator of Speedball or if it was a tandem effort between Ditko and DeFalco. Well, if you on Wikipedia, it it gives credit to both Ditko and Tom DeFalco, but uh... it you, you do sort of see DeFalco's fingerprints on him. I think so. Yeah, he he sort of has all that, and I mean, Speedball was a big hero in uh, Marvel Two, if you remember, actually. No, I don't. I, I, you know, I didn't re- read much of the M2 universe, though. What I did read was actually really good. Yeah, then Dick Dicko was in charge of all that while well, he wrote every issue of it, I believe. So, yeah, I, I definitely go with uh, Dicko more than or, uh, not Dicko. Uh, DeFalco? DeFalco over uh, Dicko. But the visual look does sort of look like, yeah, I... I the, yeah, well, they the, both did it. There's no question about the visual look. I mean, like the the idea of the crazy like balls coming out and stuff like that. The to to make the speed lines. I mean, that's that is pure Ditko. Okay, do you guys remember we've talked previously in this about uh, we've talked about John Burns twenty one twelve? 
Uh, and that was where Next Man came out of. Do you guys recall that? Yes. Yeah, so 2112 essentially ends up being the preview for John Byrne's next men series that ends up coming out. Or the, the not the prelude, the prologue, uh, set in the future, but, uh, but that's, that's uh, important to that. So do you guys think it's possible that John Byrne's 2112 was initially designed for as a launch of Marvel 2099? A, launch of, the, no a launch of the entire universe. I'm going to say yes. Well, you know what, you guys, I think Brett's strategy is wait till Chris says something and then do the opposite. <laughs> but it's serving him well. <laughs> because John Byrne said yes. In 1990, Stan Lee contacted me and asked if I would like to be the editor-in-chief of a whole new line he was going to create at Marvel. A line which would be set in Marvel's future, unconnected to the Marvel Universe as we knew it. As it happened, I'd been giving some thought to a future verse of my own. And being flattered by Stan's offer, I suggested what I had come up with. But at the time, I thought I had no place to develop and would fit the bill for his project. To this end, I plotted Stan to script. I plotted Stan was to script and, and drew a 64-page pilot. When Stan saw the pilot pages, he asked for more specific MU references. I tried to keep the thing clean so as not to turn the whole MU into a Superboy story. But Stan thought we shouldn't at least we hint what we had happened to some of the folks we knew from the present continuity, which is against everything that he had said earlier, by the way. Uh, fortunately, since my story was told in 64 pages, meaning I only had to add 12 additional pages of bridging material to make it fit. Thus, when we took the project back, it was... Not, oh, anyways, this goes on forever. But the point being... Uh, <laughs> I did... Uh, da, 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 he, it didn't fit Stan's needs... Uh, stuck with 64 pages and nowhere to put them. I did not want to offer the book to DC since that seemed, seemed vaguely scandalous. <laughs> <laughs> I mentioned my dilemma to Roger Stern, who suggested I give Dark Horse a call. They accept the proposal with uh, open arms, and I also picked Next Man off of it. So there you go. Very interesting. Very interesting. You want to do one more and then we'll call it an episode? Oh, well, sure. we, we could do a couple more if you want. You can do a couple yeah, more? Yeah, sure. I, yeah, I, I think these are fun. We should mention that uh, we're getting these off comic book resources. They have a whole ton of them. And if you wanted to, uh, if you want to check them out, people certainly would recommend you go over there and do so. Well, I mean, there was one point where I was actually caught up, but there is. I mean, there is so many of these things now that it feels like it's impossible to uh, to actually catch up and, and stay caught up. <laughs> okay, so there was a Marvel character in the Thunderbolts, Marvel Thunderbolts character, and he was killed off due to a rights problem. Mm, this, this should be, you know, right up Chris's alley. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. That's why I chose this one. Yeah, I'm just having trouble remembering a Thunderbolts character that stayed dead. <laughs> I mean, Chris, have you read like every Thunderbolts issue that's ever existed, pretty much? Um, I stopped uh, when they the, when they switched to uh, the Charles Soule version. So, oh, so the best version? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brett's such a troll. Uh, no, 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 no. Um, I, I've read them, but I don't remember the death of any characters in there. The, maybe Ghost. All of them, right? Yeah, yeah, a couple years ago. 
What if I say to you the character Charcoal? Charcoal? I'm not remembering him. Oh, no. No bells. <laughs> no bells. You said you've recently read all of Thunderbolts, right? A couple of years. I read a lot of comic books. I, I read all of Skull Kickers today. Okay, Jesus. okay. I'd like to. I'd like to say this. I love. I love the fact that as comic book readers, we say a couple of years, and for us, that's recent. <laughs> you know, <laughs> because what I love is that what I love. That's what you'd like to say. What I'd like to say is that Chris reads the books. But it doesn't enjoy them enough for them to stick because he's too busy reading something else. Uh, Marvel killed off a Thunderbolts character because of a rice problem. This is true. In the pages of the care of Wizard, there was a contest held to let the fans figure out who would be the next villain faced by the Thunderbolts. Uh, the winning entry was introduced in the pages of Thunderbolts number 19. His character, his name was Charcoal the Burning Man. <laughs> that's, that's way worse than Mamphibian. Wait, wait. However, this character, invented to, to be a one-shot villain, turned out to be too good of a creation, as he was quickly added as a member of the Thunderbolts for the next almost 40 issues. <laughs> no bells. No bells, Chris. Can you, can you tell me which... Well, I need to know which issues, because I actually need to know if I've read them. <laughs> because, I mean, I've read the first run, of Thunderbolts, but um, you know. not like he was Troll Girl. Uh, uh, oh, I, I, I don't know what issues. All I know is he was in there for forty of them. Forty issues. That's uh, awesome. I mean, um, so basically, at that point, it was the, there was some debate of whether or not those creators actually signed over officially the rights of the character uh, to Marvel, which is part of the contest rules, since they could not just iron the kinks of the deal out. Uh, Marvel decided instead to just get rid of the character with the intent to bring him back likely in sometime in the future, but it's never happened and likely never will. Uh, so he he first appeared in Thunderbolts 19 from uh, 1998. So the question is, was that when... character. He Well, you know, he looks like Bad Rock. Yeah, uh, he's actually, yeah. Um, but, so, Chris, when was... When was um, Thunderbolts... When did Thunderbolts first come out? Like, when was the first issue? Uh, Kirk Busick invented it in 1990, I believe. Yeah, so 98 then would have been, my guess is, the second run? Would it be? That like would make sense. The new Thunderbolts. <clears throat> Let's see. The, the new Thunderbolts. Right, right. See, I, yeah, I don't... I don't know that I read that. Yes, uh, Thunderbolts uh, 19 was his first appearance. He died in Thunderbolts 56. Because I know there's been so many Thunderbolts, but, but it, yeah, I mean, that's... No, no, I think that... Uh, I think that would have been the first run. Wow. <laughs> oh, that's freaking fantastic. Yeah, the uh, fact that the fact that Chris forgot. You Charcoal. could understand it. It was a long time ago for you, but Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I do not and 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 I mean, you know, I read them. I read them. It was over a decade ago that I read them. And uh and all I can remember now is that I wouldn't read them again. <laughs> you know, I'm looking at a picture of them right now. Still don't remember them. <laughs> wow. 
That's pretty funny. I like that. Uh, okay. It's going to be hard to top, but why don't you give us another one? That will be, well, not the legend itself. Your legend, Chris. And your, <laughs> that's what will be tough to top. But uh, uh, so here's a comic book, uh, Urban Legend. Um, that's, this is one that, I don't know if it tops it, but this is interesting. In uh, 1981, the Fantastic Four celebrated the 20th anniversary with a double-sized issue for 236, and it was a um, one of the considered one of John Byrne's best issues in his run. 236 double-sized issue, 20th anniversary, and it has a whole ton of characters. The Fantastic Four has uh, has um, <laughs> has interacted with a whole bunch of heroes over it on the cover, uh, including. Stan Lee, but not John Byrne. Is this, or sorry, not uh, not uh, Jack Kirby? Is it true that this cover has Jack or Stan Lee, but not Jack Kirby? And if so, why? Hmm. <clears throat> I mean, I would guess that because because I know that Byrne is a is a fan of Kirby, so I would actually guess that Byrne drew it with Kirby, but somebody went in. On perhaps Stan's edict and removed the Kirby. Chris, I, you know what? I'm going with Brett on this one. Um, that that his story was so convincing. I agree with him. You know what? You're right. Byrne drew it. It had Stan Lee and Jack Kirby because he's a huge fan. But it was not Stan Lee's behest. It was behest of editor Jim Shooter. Who, as you might know, is the most is the most horrible man in comic books. <laughs> that's that's what we've heard. <laughs> uh, at the behest of Jim Shooter, Kirby was removed from the piece, and we don't know why. But it had to do with, uh, likely with arguments over the time of Kirby wanting his older art returned to him. Um, but uh, <laughs> that's um, wow. I'll bet John Byrne was happy about that because <laughs> you know John uh, Byrne's. He's he's um hmm what would you call going. it? Yeah, easy totally going. Yeah, easy so going. Yeah, so I mean, not, not, a curm- not a curmudgeon at all. Byrne and Shooter worked together for as long as they did. It's unbelievable. Like all if right. you if you look at the cover right now, it actually looks like it's possible that it was just kind of blown up a little bit just to cut Kirby out. Um, Roger Stern left the Avengers over Captain Marvel's leadership of the team in 1982. Hmm. Um, I'm going to go with false. You know what? I'm going to go with true just because, like, where else would that rumor come from? It's not even particularly juicy. (laughs) <laughs> You'll remember that the Captain Marvel, there was a replacement character. There was the original Captain Marvel who passed away from cancer. And and then the the character's name was available. And another character who had these um, powers of, what would you say? Yeah, she's called Pho- Photon now. I yeah, exactly. Photon, Monica yeah. Rambo. Monica Rambo became the new Captain Marvel. And yes, she was a young character. And she was given, Roger Stern wanted her to become the, uh, wanted her to become the leader of of the of uh of the Avengers and be an excellent leader. Grunewald wanted her to become the leader of the Avengers, be a terrible leader, leader to show that Captain just how competent Captain America was. 
and this fight was why he left the series. Ah, that's that's interesting. I mean, that makes sense because I was I was thinking, I guess. <clears throat> probably the same way that most people would. I was thinking from that concept of like, he didn't want her to be the leader, not so much that he didn't want her to be the leader because, you know, but, but he wouldn't want her to be incompetent. And that's, and that's a good, good thing. Yeah. yeah uh, actually, as I remember that she, she wasn't an incompetent leader. No, was she just thought what that was the difference. Be- no, she wasn't, which was the difference between Stern didn't want her to be an incompetent leader and uh, Grunewald did. But I do remember a large part of that run being the attempt to make make Captain America out as the, like, the ultimate leader of the Avengers at that time. Okay. I am going to give you one. And unfortunately, this is a podcast. It's not a video podcast. I'm going to put these pictures in here because these, without the visuals, this will not be as good, much like Manphibian. But uh, this is even in some ways better. Um, comic book urban legend. Nazi Germany once took it upon itself to rebut a Superman comic book story. Wow. Um, I'm going to say true. Yep. It is true. Uh, Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster were asked to solve the puzzle, how would Superman end the war? And they drew a comic book uh, as a reply into, the, uh, uh, into Look magazine. And basically, it's just uh, Superman shows up, uh, takes down a bunch of tanks, then just flies off and grabs the leaders, uh, Hitler and anybody else, and just basically pulls them off. <laughs> Joe Stalin and 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 Adolf Hitler just takes them all to to the UN so they can be tried. Like it's like, it's like he wouldn't have to. It wouldn't be a lot of effort. Like they couldn't stop him anyways. And and so it's awesome. And uh, yes, the Nazis didn't look kindly on, on the story. Uh, here is a translation of what they said. Um, <laughs> and and. Uh, this is likely to be offensive uh, because I have not read this yet, but uh, <laughs> this is Nazi Germany. So I'm just going to little statement, spoiler statement. Uh, Jerry Siegel, according to them, an intellectually and physically circumcised chap who has headquarters in New York, is the inventor of a colorful figure with an impressive appearance, a powerful body, and a red swimsuit who enjoys the ability to fly through the ether. The inventive Israeli act named this pleasant guy with an overdeveloped body and underdeveloped mind Superman. <laughs> <laughs> he advertised widely Superman's sense of justice, well suited for imitation by the American youth. So, as you can see, there's nothing the Sadducees won't do for money. Wow. Um, and after a brief and mocking description of the comic, they, they continue with, A triumphant final frame shows Superman, the conqueror of death, dropping in at the headquarters of the chatterboxes of, of the League of Nations in Geneva. Although the rules of the establishment probably prohibit people in bathing suits from participating in their deliberations, Superman <laughs> ignores them as well as the other laws of physics, logic, and life in general. He brings with him the evil German enemy along with Soviet Russia. Well, we really ought to ignore these fantasies of Jerry Israel Siegel. But there is a catch. The daring deeds of Superman are those of a Colorado beetle. He works in the dark. In incomprehensible ways, he cries strength, courage, justice to the noble yearnings of American children. Instead of using 
chance to encourage really useful virtues, he sows hate, suspicion, evil, laziness, and criminality in their young hearts. Jerry Siegelak stinks. Woe to the American youth who must live in such a poison atmosphere and don't even notice the poison they swallow daily. Wow, that's impressive. That is one hell of a response. (laughs) And right there... That is impossible to follow up. <laughs> that, uh, do we go out on that one? I, I think I think that's the one. <laughs> I we don't have. think we can top that one. No, uh, that <laughs> is remarkable. I don't know whether to be offended. Well, I, I am offended by a lot of sentiments in there, but wow, that's. I mean, that was kind of entertaining. I know. I know. Uh, is it offensive? Oh. Yes, but it's amazing. It's amazing. I mean, the, the times they used Israel and, I mean, making a huge point of New York and, oh, you, you wow. Would think, you would think in, in the entirety of that country at the time, or, or the Nazi party, for sure, that they could have found somebody who could actually write. Wow. That, you know, <laughs> remember, it's a translation. Yeah, oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> But I'm I'm guessing, you know, <laughs> that it's not much better in the in the. I mean, I mean, just responding at all is a d- dumb move. Okay, to the original comments, like just ignore it if that was their goal. <sighs> yeah, I I am. Like much I said, time to denounce is ridiculous. I'm just happy that it's not as offensive as I feared it would be. <laughs> There's that. Yes. All right. Um, just one last one here, real quick one. Um, <laughs> did uh, Kurt Busick wanted to call Kara Danvers nemesis during his Avengers run, but the X-Men office would not let him? Um, I'm going to say true. I agree with Brett. That's actually false. Well, right. That sounds really like something that would be true, which is why I decided to throw it in there. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Anyways, I, I won't even read the response for it. But this this has been good. This has been fun. Uh, thanks for the good episode, guys. And uh, let's go out with uh, Superman and Nazis. Like, who wouldn't? Oh, but I have a question, Chris. I mean, I see on Comixology that the Moon Knight, the first two Moon Knight Epic collections are on sale. Have you purchased those yet? No, I have not. <laughs> Shocking. All right, let's give it up. Let's go OUT on this sucker. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I think you yeah, probably had a good time. At least I know. Even if you didn't, I did, and that's really more important. That's right. We had a good time. <laughs> so check us out on We Talk Podcasts and all the usual places you find us, Stitcher, iTunes, uh, we're going to get ourselves on Spotify, right, Brett? And uh, we're already in Google Music, and we're all over the damn place, and Twitter, and freaking That's right. everywhere. So, and we'll be back at we'll be back in 100 episodes for the third round of <laughs> of comic book. We may be books. back before that <laughs> <laughs> because I just saw one with a uh, uh, Rob Liefeld. Oh, and and it's killing me to not do it. Well, I'll tell you what. Mo, you should actually go through them and put a package of like fifteen together that you think are just the best. <laughs> oh man, this is this, this, yeah, this Liefeld is great. O U T. 